Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, and he is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. 2018 training camp is underway. Just want to give you a rundown now that we're uh, kind of in this new production format with uh, being online as opposed to on cable television. We still have the podcasts, obviously, of course, but through training camp, we will try to post new episodes slash podcasts on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then once we get to the regular season, we will revert to what has been our regular season format for the past two years, which is five days a week, uh, Monday through Friday. So with that, let's get right into it, Wes, because the Packers, as we speak right now, have the first few practices of camp under their belt. And it sounds like from what we heard from players in the locker room that things got off to a, uh, a rather rousing start, you might say, with regards to uh, Mike Pettin's opening speech to the team um, in one of those uh, team meetings the day before the first practice. Seems like he really kind of set the tone for uh, what he wants to get out of this camp from his defense. He did, Mike. And the thing that probably stands out to me the most with Pettin, and I wrote about this during the offseason program, he always, the three times I think he's spoken to the media now, every time he coaches is with, we have yet to give up a yard. So you're always <laughs> going to be in that honeymoon phase. Yeah, zero yards, zero points so far. Exactly. Yeah. But I think he's hit all the right notes up until this point. I wrote a story going back to the offseason about how he met individually with every defensive player and his position coach, made sure to carve out that time, go over goals, had players write down their goals. Uh, for the upcoming season, something a lot of those guys really responded well to. And now they get back. Mike McCarthy said he wanted, first time he's done this, he wanted all three of the coordinators, Petten, Joe Philbin coming back as the offensive coordinator, and Ron Zook to speak to the entire team. Offense to defense, defense to offense, special teams intertwined into that. He wanted everybody to be on the same page, and Petten being up in front of that room, in front of Aaron Rodgers, those offensive position players, giving them an idea of what he expects from his unit, what his philosophy for defense is, and what he believes the role of the defense is in a team's success. And for Aaron Rodgers to go out of his way, he wasn't asked about this speech. He brought this up on his own. Yeah, this was unprompted. Yeah. For him to do that in, in mentioning that you know it was an all-timer, a guy that's now in his 14th NFL season that's been through so many different years, so many different coaches, so many different mentors, for him to say that I think gives you an idea of exactly what Pettin has done to this point to really get guys to buy in. Yeah, and what I liked about what I was hearing from the players in the locker room, I go back to a comment that Mike Pettin made to the media. I believe it was uh, when he spoke to reporters during the minicamp in the right. middle of June, in that he said if he were to boil it down to one message to his players, it's more important how they play than what they play. And what he means by that is the attitude, the approach, the mentality of beat the guy across from you is way more important than scheme and the X's and O's and anything that he's going to dial up. And I asked Tremont Williams about that. Williams obviously having played in Petten's defense for two years in Cleveland when he was the head coach there. And Williams said flat out, that is exactly where he comes from. It's about beating the guy across from you. You cannot lean on scheme as a crutch. If a pass rusher, for example, is having trouble getting to the quarterback, don't look to the sideline. Don't look to the coaches to say, hey, dial something up for me to get to the quarterback. No, you beat the guy across from you first. And then then you know what Williams said, you start mixing in scheme to that mentality, then the scheme becomes a bonus. But how you win 
is to be is to win your matchup, and, the, and and that that message is definitely getting through. Yeah, it's the it's a tale as old as time. I mean, when you look <laughs> at winning one on ones in this game, it is what it boils down to, and being able to if there's going to be situations where teams double cover a guy or, or put two blockers on a pass rusher, the other guy's being able to take advantage of that because you always are going to have that one for one matchup. I think the thing that, that really resonates for me so far with Pettin coming in here and in that message of, you know, we're looking for individuals and, and winning those matchups rather than letting the scheme save you, so to speak. Right. Mike McCarthy mentioned, uh, I forget which portion of the offseason program this was, but, he, you know, as perennially successful as the offense has been, top 10 and whatever it's been now, seven of the last nine years, something like that, they want the defense to be better than that. They don't want the defense to feel like the stepchild. And, and we've only, at this point in time, which we're taping the show, had three practices to go off of, one of those being padded. But there just is an energy there um, and, and, and a feeling and, and I think an attitude uh, that has been instilled to these guys that has been passed down. And, and seeing Pettin, you know, bring in a couple extra coaches, but also finding, you know, guys on this current roster. You know, you look at a guy like Joe Witt, who's been promoted to passing game coordinator, their ideals align. Mm -hmm. And they all have a feeling and an, and an idea of where they want this defense to go. And even though it's just been a couple practices, I think you've been able to kind of sense that that mentality so far. Yeah, and there's definitely been uh, plenty of energy on the offensive side of the totally. ball as well. We saw in the first padded practice on Saturday um, a tight play in the end zone between Jimmy Graham and Josh Jones. They get into it a, a little bit. Hey, you know, afterwards both guys brush it off. Hey, that's training camp. That's how it goes. But uh, um, but. If we want to talk a little bit about the offense here, interesting to see that uh, it looks like Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Graham, off to a pretty fast start. Maybe some things to work on in the red zone. Things weren't quite clicking between them in the red zone work yeah, on Saturday. Sure. But as far as the stuff we've seen normal down and distance, middle of the field, Jimmy Graham definitely making his plays. He certainly is. And, and again, this is a guy that you have to see him to believe just how big he is and, and what he offers uh, and, and seeing those reps against Josh Jones. Josh Jones is a big kid, <laughs> uh, six foot two, two twenty, and you can see the height advantage. And we talked about last week in one of our three things videos when Aaron Rodgers, with how pinpoint precise he is, when he puts the ball where the cornerback can't get it or the defensive back can't get it, Jimmy Graham also gives you a catching radius that widens that yeah. hole a little bit. Uh, and we saw it on a couple. I think one of them was that out route last week was very impressive. Um, just to really quickly pivot to because you mentioned the competitive rep between Jones. It doesn't always need to be something where guys are having conflict, though. I even look at, you know, what Devontae Adams and Kevin King have been doing in practice. You know, there hasn't been any bickering or fighting yeah. or anything like that. They're going one-on-one on one a lot. How competitive those reps yeah. are uh, yep. for a guy that's coming off a Pro Bowl, working against the second-round draft pick from last year, trying to elevate his game. So whether it is a Jimmy Graham, a Devontae Adams, uh, you look at the defense specifically, the guys they get to work against and, and seeing those two those two things kind of clash. I, to me, that's what I look for in these practices. Yeah. And, and as time goes on now, too, I think a guy like Josh Jones is going to learn a lot from going up against a Jimmy Graham because you know what, Michael? There aren't a lot of 6'7", 265-pound tight ends in this league <laughs> no, that can aren't. do what Jimmy Graham does. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and to, uh, to expound on Graham a little bit, he had a lot of comments. He spoke to the media for the first time in a while after Saturday's practice. He had, was very complimentary, obviously, of Aaron Rodgers. He had talked about that in April, how excited he is to be in this offense. One comment from Graham that really stood out to me, though, was when he talked about how he can completely trust Aaron Rodgers 
not to throw a ball that's going to put him in a bad situation where he has to worry about one of those, you know, across the middle type of sure. hits or a, or one of those blindside type of shots that you don't see coming and whatnot. And it got me thinking. I may and I made this comment in our insider inbox column that, you know, you and I every year there's a there's a few days where the a group of officials comes in. Um, they show us, they show the media as well as the players and coaches a video of rules changes, points of emphasis, and all that for the upcoming season. The whole defenseless receiver thing has been a part of that video for a number of years now. They've been changing the rules, they emphasize different things. I can't recall one time in any of those videos that an Aaron Rodgers pass yeah. was in there. That says something, that's and that's exactly what Graham is talking about. Aaron Rodgers, not only is his accuracy amazing, but he protects his players. His awareness of the field is such that he doesn't put his pass catchers in a compromising position, and Graham is one of those guys who really appreciates that. Three-dimensional chess. I don't know how many times we've talked about it as it relates to him and the pre-snap, being able to win that battle at the line of scrimmage, finding ways to draw guys off sides, finding ways to gain a favorable matchup for the offense, even you know the 12 men on the field things. But I think that's a really good point you raised because one of the things we never talk about, because it's not an issue in this offense, is guys getting lit up because of the ball being in a particular place that allows a safety or allows a defensive back to come in and, and lay a heavy hit on a guy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you look at Graham, in the course of his career, he's been able to catch passes from Russell Wilson. I know probably didn't go as well as he wanted it to in Seattle, but you know he also had Drew Brees. He's had some high-quality quarterbacks to kind of take care of him. Yep. And now you also have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who, with that precision, with that accuracy, also keeps his receiver's health in mind. A really big thing, not only for the safety of the player, but also the health of a football team as the season wears on. Yeah, and the fans might be asking as we're discussing this, well, what about Devontae Adams and those shots he took last year? Well, take a look at it. The first one against the Bears. It was a short pass over the middle. Adams was basically being held up yeah. by a Bears guy, and then another guy comes in, Danny Trevathan, and clocks him. And then the one in Carolina was after an interception on an interception yeah. return, You know, which those blindside type of blocks the league is trying to eliminate and try to get rid of. Thomas Davis just lights up Devontae Adams for no reason. So in, in discussing this, the hits that Adams took last year, certainly not on Aaron Rodgers, although Rodgers was not happy about the fact he threw an interception. Yeah, totally. I, you know, I gotta say this too. I don't know if I've met a cooler cucumber right now than Devontae Adams. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he was willing to kind of make peace with Thomas Davis at the Pro Bowl, too, he, he's a he's probably a bigger man than I yeah, am. With the, with, I would. At that point of his season... You know, trying to do a contract. Oh yeah, he's, a, he's like in that. a he's in a contract year, trying to get yeah. a new deal and everything, and then he ends up having to having to sit out the last few games with another concussion. It, it's it was it was certainly unfortunate, but I agree yeah, with you, Devonte Adams, uh, very big man there. But continuing the discussion about the wide receivers, Wes, you wrote about a guy late last week, and we've talked a lot about the three rookie wide wide receivers, how that depth chart is going to shake out. There's a young man from Wisconsin Whitewater. Now, it's early in camp. We haven't even gotten to family night, let yeah. alone the first preseason game. So we you know, throw in the caveat that it's early. But Jake Kumarow, to me, there's nothing, and I don't, I don't mean this as a, as a detriment to him, there's nothing that stands out to me about him, except that when we're watching practice, he's getting open and making catches. And yeah. that's, that's really the name of the game here for these young guys trying to make the roster. Well, I will say this. The thing that stands out to me about him is he's 6'4 and 209 pounds. I mean, he's <laughs> a big kid. And let me put it this way, Michael. If you didn't know he was coming from a Division three background, and Whitewater's had a lot of success power to them for that, but it is still Division Three football. Right. You don't see a lot of it. We saw Matt Blanchard trying to make the roster a number of years ago. 
there isn't always a proven path for D3 guys of the NFL. If you would have told me, Jake Kumarow, take away all the colleges and ask which one is the Division Three kid, I wouldn't have said him on this receiver's roster. That's a good point, and that's, and that's quite a compliment to, uh, to Kumarow. Yeah, and, and the thing that stands out to me is he had a phenomenal practice on Friday. Had three catches in a two-minute period, came back right the next period, had a nice uh, play in the pass under pressure where he was able to split the cornerback and the safety, made a nice cut, catch, I believe, on a corner route. Looked great. But what stood out to me is Saturday morning, McCarthy was asked about him, and there was no surprise. He yeah. said that they've been seeing this throughout the offseason program. It wasn't a one-hit wonder. Now, don't get me wrong. Kumaro has a tough road ahead of him to make this roster. There's seven guys at the receiver position right now <laughs> that have been drafted into the NFL, including three this past year as rookies. Asked him about that on Friday afternoon. Said that didn't bother him. He was watching. He was expecting it. His goal, though, is still to show that he can do this. His father was a first-round draft pick. His cousin, Joey Bosa, a defensive player of the year, or rookie of the year a year ago. He has NFL bloodlines, and he has full confidence that he can make that dream come true. Yeah, I wasn't aware when he came to Green Bay about the connection, you know, those family connections playing in the NFL. The, the, the last name sort of rang a bell, and then when, I, when uh, you had looked it up in terms of his, uh, his father being uh, a rather high draft pick. First-round pick first for the round. Dolphins in 88. Yeah, that's, uh, um, that, is, that is pretty impressive. Those, those bloodlines can, uh, can matter at certain points. With regards to the rookies, a lot of people asking, okay, are there any of those rookies, you know, EQ St. Brown, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, any of them standing out? I will say this, Valdez-Scantling unfortunately missed his chance to be maybe the star of the day on Saturday. He had made a great catch with a safety draped all over him in the end zone, uh, you know, kind of a corner route there uh, off to the side. Great catch, gets his feet down in traffic, but then, and later in practice – runs a go route down the middle, really starts to separate from the defensive backs, looks like a really good throw, can't quite haul it in the end zone. He left his feet, he dove, maybe he didn't have to, one of those kinds of things, didn't bring it in. If he had caught that pass, and I know if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, but if he had caught that pass, we'd be talking about him being you know, maybe the early star amongst these rookie wide receivers. Here's what's interesting, Michael. I've covered this in my seventh full time training camp I've covered. I covered a couple before then on an interim basis, but full-time. To me, and I'm not trying to speak in hyperbole here, but this is going to be the most fun receiver battle to watch. <laughs> yeah. and we're talking about years where Jared Boykin came out of nowhere, and you had Torrey Gurley and, and DeAndre Burrell and guys that you really were excited about you know, po possibly pushing the rest of that deep receiving corps. This is the most excited I've been to watch this group work because you're right, Valdez Scantling didn't come down with the ball on that, but his speed is ridiculous. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was impressive. That was pure separation. While the ball was in the air, yeah. he just continued to separate from the DBs to go after it. And he's it. done it several times yep. uh, in this camp. I, yep. I think Jamon Moore is a guy that has an NFL build. I've been excited to watch him. He can hold up. You can see that the way he's built is going to be able to translate, I think, in the NFL in terms of a 16-game season. EQ St. Brown, the bloodlines, the, the pedigree, the work ethic. I'm excited to watch this unfold because you also have Geronimo Allison and Trevor Davis competing for spots too. It's going to be really exciting to see. Yeah, and I think Allison is off to a pretty solid Absolutely. start so steady far. I like like what I've what I've seen there, as you say, very steady. One other thing I want to hit on on the defensive side here, Wes, before we uh, bolt out to practice, a guy we didn't see much of last year, Montravius Adams. The pads go on for the first time on Saturday. And suddenly he kind of jumped out a little bit, didn't he? He did. He really did. And, and they did one-on-one -on -one drills. 
the he beat three offensive linemen with the same swim move technique. And the thing you got to keep in mind with one on ones, this is you you want to beat your guy, but you're also working on things too. In a year ago, that first padded practice, Montrevious Adams wasn't on the field. He broke yep. his foot after the second one and didn't practice the rest of training camp. So realistically, this is the first time I've been able to see him in competitive reps because we don't get to see a lot of this stuff during the regular season, and I was impressed. Larry McCarron mentioned the kid has a really good first step. I thought his swim move was nasty, <laughs> being able to you know get it's some quick. separation. Very it's quick, quick. Yep. in the middle of the offensive line, and I get it. You talked about it. Larry talked about it. He's going up against guys that are lower on the depth chart. You know, it's only one-on-one. There's going to be more traffic in there in the regular season. But I've covered training camp practices for a number of years now. And I'll say this. I'd rather see what Montrevious Adams put on film on Saturday than the guys that go in there and just gets held up at the line of scrimmage. You don't know what you got. Right. I thought he flashed some serious potential. It's a deep D-line room. He's going to have to work hard to get reps in there. But... I really liked what I saw so far from Montrevious Adams, given that that was our real first taste into the first or the former third round pick. Yeah, the former third round pick out of Auburn, definitely showing why he was a top 100 draft pick a year ago. But I made this point in our three things video, and I'll say this: if uh, if fans are going to only go on our website for two minutes a day. You have to watch three things. I, I, we want you with us for the 15, 20 minutes yeah. we're here doing Packers Unscripted. Don't get me wrong. But if you want a two-minute Packer fix every day during training camp, just check out three things. Larry McCarron is the star of the show. We love it. He cracks us up, and hopefully he cracks you up as well. But I made the point in, in our three things segment that with those swim moves you were talking about, Adams was beating some guys lower on the depth chart. But what that does is that potentially earns him reps in the one-on-ones now as camp goes on against the guys a little right. higher on the depth Absolutely. chart. Maybe he's going to go against Lane Taylor or Corey Lindsley as an inside rusher as opposed to those guys further down the depth chart. And then that's when you really see what a guy like Montrevious Adams have has. And does he have another move? Because Corey Lindsley's not going to get – Corey sure. Lindsley's watching that. He yeah. sees that swim move. Okay, that's what that guy's got. I'm going to make sure I take that away. So then what can Adams do when How he goes he up against a better that? player to, to make an adjustment. Those are the kinds of things that are fun to watch as training camp goes along. Yeah, and one thing to point out, too, the reason why he was taking on a lot of the guys lower on the depth chart, you know, Lane Taylor wasn't going through the one-on-ones. He's coming back from that ankle injury, so you got Justin McCray and Lucas Patrick getting a majority of the work against the starting guys. So, yeah, you got to beat the guy in front of you, and I thought Montrevious Adams for – our first taste into seeing him uh, in one-on-ones looked really good. We'll see where he takes it from here. Yeah, all right, Wes. Well, you and I have to get out to practice. We do. So <laughs> we're going to do that and sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of training camp on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. 